Good day, everybody. Welcome to the Security Squad Podcast. Another episode. Guys, I think this is episode number 91. I think I asked the person that nice. does my post my podcast. And she said we 90 was last week. So we're coming up on two two years here because we do record consistently every week. I don't there may have been like one week that we missed. Um, but welcome to the show. It's the Security Squawk Podcast here with Ryan O'Hara, Randy Bryan, Reginald Andre. I'm your co-host, Brian Horning. We talk about the business of cybersecurity on this podcast. Our hope is to educate you and anyone around you about the threats and what you can start doing to protect yourself uh, from cyber criminals, hackers, ransomware, business email compromise. We, we kind of run the gamut here. Um, which we're going to do on the show today. We have a major U.S. Uh, school district who is under a ransomware attack currently. We're going to dive into that a little bit. There's also a lot of ransomware attacks going on around the world. We're just not going to have time to really get into them all today. Um, and then we're going to talk about a little bit about what is actual ransomware, because I know we, we mention it all the time on the show, but we don't really talk about what it is and... Um, you know, all at once. I think we talk about it in bits and pieces. So we just kind of want to educate people a little bit on ransomware and how it operates today and how, how it can affect you today. Um, we also have a major social media platform uh, that had some sec- data security issues. I wouldn't call it a hack and we'll, we'll jump into that in a little bit. Uh, we have two major organizations, one a electronics manufacturer, the other one a National Football League team, uh, both coming out with new information around uh, previous breaches that their companies were involved with. The uh, reason like, we like to highlight that kind of stuff is because you know these cyber attacks can end up looking like they're not so bad, but then six months, a year down the road, uh, information comes out where that is not the case. And that's usually the case 100% of the time is that, you know, companies are now letting people know the real damage months and months later when everything was forgot about because our attention spans aren't that good. Um, and then one of our co-hosts uh, had a little incident over the holiday weekend and uh, we're going to let him share that with you because I think there's a, a lot of good lessons learned there. So we're going to jump right into it, guys. We have Los Angeles County School District or Los Angeles School District. Happens to be the second largest U.S. school district. Uh, is dealing with a ransomware attack that hit its IT systems over the Labor Day weekend. Um now, I know in New Jersey here, guys, we have schools starting. It started last week and starting this week. I don't know where California lies, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, these guys decided to deploy ransomware right around the start of school. Uh, so um, after the, uh, you know, the, art- the article I'm looking at here on Bleeping Computer that the school district first revealed district-wide technical issues after discovering that the attackers disrupted access to the LA uh, USD systems, including their email servers. And then about seven hours later, it confirmed that it was ran- a ransomware attack, tagging the incident as criminal in nature. Um, they reported the incident and they're working with law enforcement, the FBI and CISA as part of an ongoing investigation and incident response. Um, says after the district contacted officials over the holiday weekend, the White House brought together the Department of Education, the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency to provide rapid incident response support to the Los Angeles Unified, uh, building on the immediate support by local law enforcement agencies. Um, And I guess they're getting, you know, obviously they're going to get a lot of support here. Um, Even though the attack disrupted LAUSD infrastructure, the district said schools will still open today while it works to restore impacted servers with some expected delays affecting some services. So they're going to try to run. 
Um, what do you guys? What do you guys? What's your insight on this? I mean, it's it's kind of seems to me like a run of the mill ransomware attack. Um, but they think they can kind of uh, they think they can kind of get by without their systems. What do you guys think? I'm curious. I mean, because this is really, really quick. Um, you know, did they have things in place where they were able to kind of catch it before it spread, um, and, and and they're reacting to it that way? But you know, for this to be the kind of stuff that we typically talk about, where where they're caught with their pants down, for them to try and operate this quickly, um, seems a little bit difficult. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, Rand. Well, I was just going to say there may have a little bit of a false sense of security because mm -hmm. you've got several several government agencies that have jumped in, which, by the way, um, most of the people that watch our show are regular business owners. And you can almost guarantee if you have a small or medium business, the government's not going to be able to jump in to help you if you get ransomware. Um, this just so happens to be the second largest um, school district in the country. Um, so this is kind of a strategic uh, interest uh, here. So, um, but yeah, maybe there's a false sense of security there that they're going through. Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like the same way. I mean, I guess they feel like they can get by with their curriculum, maybe, especially maybe early on in the year. Um, this is one of two, one of two things for me. Um, they either have really no clue what they're up against right now and what their incident response is going to be um, because they just never plan for this. Um, and they're going to get a quick crash course in, in what this is going to look like. I mean, this, you know, to tell me that you can operate the entire school district, you know, at business as usual when you have something like this going right. on, I just... I find it hard to believe because I have yet to see a business. <clears throat> I have yet to see a business where that's actually true, even though I've seen plenty of CEOs sit there and say, you know, yeah, we don't have that. We don't have anything that important. We don't, you know, we can operate with our stuff being down for two months if we had to, you know, and, and then they get into the middle of it and they can't operate for two weeks. Um, you know, and, and that's, We'll see where this goes. We're we're literally in like hour less. I think less than forty eight hours into this at this point. Yeah, um, and that, that's what's unusual about it, though. Like you know, especially with as, as integrated into technology as most schools are. You know, and I imagine the second largest school district in the country uh, is probably even more so than most, but at least the same as what we what we see typically. So for them to be able to just you know. One, reach out and, and involve government agencies like that that quick and, and disclose so quickly, which is not what we've seen lately. Uh, but two, then to also think that they can keep moving forward without having any type of uh, uh, issue and not not delay classes that you know, there's there's a lot of question marks here. Yep. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah there it is. just doesn't seem like it's it seems like the incident response is call SIS and the FBI and let's hope for the best. Mm hmm. And, and and they're really – the meeting probably hasn't even happened yet with, like, you know, the school board and the superintendent and the FBI as to, like, okay, here's what here's what you're, you're up against. Here's what's going to have to happen over the next day, over the next two days, over the next week, over the next two weeks. And my guess is, is that this will impact students in some way, shape, or form. Um, yeah. especially, especially if the email servers were attacked, right? I think it said that, right? Um, the email was down. And I got to imagine that the school, you know, talks to parents over email. Why are they using email servers, man? I mean, that's just, that doesn't make sense because they are a non-profit, uh, right? Can't they get... Or would they be considered government? Do they not get like a reduced price on 365? I mean, it seems like it would be better to not run their own uh, servers. I think you got to be careful too. Sometimes these stories, you know, depending well, on the says it, it disrupted the systems, including disrupted access to including email servers. So we, we don't know what that means yet. So, but 
LA uh, school district hit by ransomware. Andre, you've been quiet. You have anything you want to add before we uh, we go move on here? Yeah, um, the article did mention about how they're critical infrastructure, so their payroll, employee benefits. I think it's just like the 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 main things that they are like looking to use right away is working. And like it's been mentioned, once the FBI and other um, resources does their analysis, they're going to come back and give them some bad news. Um, quick Google search, they have about 60,000 employees. So let's just say 40,000 of them have, you know, school issued computers or devices, plus the students with their Chromebooks and everything like that. That's going to be an IT nightmare for somebody soon. Yeah, I mean, it's great that they can pay their employees. And if I'm reading between the lines on... The district added that instruction and staffing. Well, okay, that doesn't mean your those systems weren't affected. They can still teach. They still have teachers showing up. Great, and they can still pay them. You know, they could use an outside provider for that. Who knows? Um, but you know, their ability to communicate. I got to imagine they have like computer labs down, things like that. You know, all that stuff is going on. Um, Exec, you know, uh, principal's offices and their secretaries probably don't have computers, which, you know, I don't, you know. It, it, Plus, if they're just engaging, you know, and they're still waiting on the FBI and CISA to even get in there and take a look. I mean, it, it's possible that that stuff's going to get shut down after they take yeah. a look, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're they're assuming in their little public notice um, that it's criminal. I mean, a, a school district their size, yes, it could be criminal, um, but could also be nation state, you know, so. That'd be a bigger concern uh, for me with a school district this big. Yep. And we already know what's going to happen, right? In about a year from now, oh, the elementary kids' socials were, you know, mm -hmm. we discovered the elementary and middle school socials are now out in the dark web. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Yep. We don't know. It's too early. It's too, it's just hours into it. We'll update you next week on the show as, as things develop and as things are learning. It could be a... Uh, you know, a lesson learned case and in, in incident response. So um, before we move into the other topics, let's just spend a little bit of time educating people on ransomware because we came across an article um, that kind of just said, you know, laid out what ransomware is. And I thought, well, that would be a good thing to talk about on the show because sometimes we yeah, we might talk over people a little bit, even though we really don't intend to, and we try to break things down. You know, what is ransomware? Like, what what is it? Like, you guys keep talking about it on this show. I keep, you know, but maybe you know it's a virus, or maybe you know your your you can't access your files. Let's go into a little bit deeper today and kind of talk about yeah, that's what it is. Let's talk about like you know how do you, how can you get it, or what are the common ways that you get it. And um, let's dispel some myths about how people think ransomware actually happens. I think we can do that in this discussion today too. So um, ransomware is obviously, you know, for me, and you guys can chime in on this, but ransomware is obviously number one malware that get, infects your system. The software runs and it, what we call encrypts your, your data. So you have pictures, you have Word documents, Excel files. Those files, you go to click on them and they just don't open. And a lot of times you'll see like a readme text message or um, you know something on on in that folder where you're trying to open that file where it says like, and you're going to see this readme file all over your computer. Um, a lot of times it just pops up. Um, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you have to actually go find the text file and open it and read it to see uh, that some criminal has now encrypted all your files and he's the one with the special key that's going to unlock the uh, the files so you can work with them again. Um, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, there's a lot more to, you know, the different encryption that's used and things like that. Um, a lot of people think, well, I encrypt my own hard drive. I encrypt my own files. Um, you do, right? And there's, if you use like Windows BitLocker, it's an easy way to encrypt your uh, hard drive. Um, there's actually a key that unlocks that. Now, modern computers today, you don't need to input that key. But for these things called TPM chips, you used to have to enter a key in to get your drive unlocked so you could actually use it. 
Um, and an encryption typically works that way. These things are, you know, protected unless you have authorization to open, see, view it. Um, and that's basically what these hackers are doing. They're using that technology and they're creating their own keys that they control and they're not going to give you that key until you pay them usually hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, depending on how much uh, data they've, they've encrypted or how important they think it is or how big of a company they think you are. So anything you guys want to add there and as to like what your definition of ransomware is? I think the other layer to it as well is, is the, the data exfiltration layer. So kind of one of the, the uh, responses we get a lot is, oh, I got backups. So, you know, if I get ransomware, it's no big deal. I just restore from backups. And even if that's true, and I, I say if because oftentimes we find out it isn't or that the hackers were in there long enough to uh, circumvent those backups anyway, uh, what we do see a lot these days is also data exfil exfiltration where before they encrypt the data, they're downloading sensitive data off of your, your systems. And then so you may restore from backup, but then they send you a ransom, probably a higher ransom because you've kind of already circumvented their first uh, attempt and said, hey, I, I, that's great that you got your data back, but we're going to release it to the public or whoever, you know, if you don't pay us this ransom too, because we've got it in our hands and they'll show you kind of some proof of that. So it's not uh, just as cut and dry as, as encrypting your data. There are other aspects, you know, they're, they're going to get their money. I mean, that's why they call it ransomware because um, just like if you were, uh, if there was a kidnapping involved, there's always a ransom involved with a kidnapping. And they're basically saying, you know, we've kidnapped your data and, you know, doing these nerdy geeky things to keep you out of it. And we want money to give it back to you. Um, they'll also say, you know, Hey, we're going to release it out on the dark web. If you don't pay, it's just like in a kidnapping situation where they might say, you know, Hey, we're going to do this or that to the victim. If you don't pay, um, if you do other things, you know, certain things might happen. But basically bottom line is they've kidnapped your data. They've kidnapped your data. You can, you can get one by, <clears throat> you can get it by, maybe clicking on an email. Um, maybe there is a uh, bad guy's got a foothold in your network from some other reason and takes advantage of unpatched software on your computer or this or that. Um, but bottom line is they, they have a multitude of ways that they can try to basically kidnap your data and try to get money from you. It's a form of extortion. And I think one thing we want to also tell our audience is how easy it is and how bad of a job you know, the technology industry is doing. And for example, as Randy mentioned, you know, there's vulnerabilities in the system because the computers weren't patched. So we know there, there's known ways of how to fix something on the computer. And then the IT department, IT guy, the CEO is not then implementing that. Um, there's also like, for example, remote desktop, which forever, everybody's been saying, turn it off, use a different way. And that's still done. So a lot of times it's us humans that are actually the ones um, causing that. If they clicked on an email and they then followed a couple of steps and then now it goes into, into the system. So. It's like you never even left. <laughs> yeah. I was hearing most so, everything. My page was locked up. So anyway. Good, you probably good. Should, get, should get a Best Buy and get a new switch. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of the things I guess, you know, people should be aware too, is this happens rarely because these guys want to get paid, but some ransomware will, they will actually delete or threaten to delete your files. Uh, totally. Um, you know, as Ryan mentioned, it's usually not the case anymore. They exfiltrate the data. They figured it's better to steal it than delete it. Um, but the other thing too is, is that if you do pay the ransom, uh, it's not always guaranteed that these, decryptors will work, right? Because we're dealing with technology and sometimes the keys don't unlock all the files. Or sometimes they don't even give you the keys. They don't, they, right. you're dealing with criminals. That, that doesn't make them honest. Uh, the Typically one that they, do, they do unlock it because what, you know, it's that whole thing where they say, hey, they want their reputation, you know, of paying to kind of you know, be the folklore of the land. So everybody who pays the ransom will tell their friends, yes, I paid the ransom and I got my data right. back. So that'll get you to pay when you get attacked. The reputation is, is key though. So the one that we dealt with earlier in the year, that was kind of the, the situation where finding out who did it 
um, they did not have a very good track record of, of paying up. In fact, their track record said, you know, people who typically pay uh, the, the initial ransom are then hit with a second ransom after that. Oh, that was easy. Do you want, you really want your data back? Now you got to pay us this amount. And so that was uh, kind of the advice at that point was you're probably not going to get your data back. You may pay them and, and get nothing. So. I think the, the statistics, like only a third get a hundred percent of their data back, you know, probably 70%, if I had to guess 80% get the majority of their da data back if they pay. Um, but it's a very small percentage that actually get every, every little bit of it back. And it, it's also not like an instant thing too. They don't get those keys and they're back up and running the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, and that's the other thing I wanted to kind of mention with people because Randy kind of mentioned it. It can happen by start starting with, uh, you know, clicking on a phishing email, a link, um, you know, it could be a text message uh, that you get with a link. You know, there's all different kinds of ways that they're trying to attack you these days. Um, but the attackers are typically in your, it can, it can happen where it's just a few hours. They get in your system and a few hours later you have ransomware. It usually takes about 180 days for ransomware to be deployed once the initial access is gained by the cyber criminal. Um, there's a lot of different reasons for that, which we talked about extensively on other episodes of, of the show. Probably not enough time to go into it today, but that's the reality of it. It's, it, you know, th these guys are going to be in your network for a very, very long time in most cases, because they know businesses aren't at the point where they're able to detect their presence. So there's no incentive for them to do this quickly, like a smash and grab. Literally, they're walking around the jewelry store deciding what things they're going to take and what they're not going to take. Um, you know, or is it even, is this jewelry store just full of fake diamonds? Is it even worth you know, deploying ransomware on. Maybe it's just better we just sit on their network and, you know, spy on them or try to, you know, trick their employees or their HR department and changing their payroll information to us. They're devising the exact tact that they're going to use when they're in their network because, if, quite frankly, if you don't have data, they're going to get you some other way, right? If, if, if they're like, ah, oh, this isn't really worth a ransomware attack because they have four computers and, you know, let's just sit on their email. Let's just see if we can steal their email credentials or get into their office 365 some way. Um, these are all things that our cyber criminals are doing while they're trying to decide whether they're going to deploy ransomware on you or not. Um, the reason I point this out is because we could do a better job at detection. And if we can detect they're in there, you can thwart them before they actually do any damage. So <clears throat> why do you guys think these ransomware attacks are so common because they're. Do you think, maybe let me go back. Do you think they're common, or maybe I'm just? No, they're they definitely common, and, and they're common because they work, and and they're getting their money. Yeah. I guess and then the one money. question is: is I don't believe that most business owners out. You know, we know it's common because we deal with it all the time. But I don't think people outside of our industry think it's common. It's because people don't talk about it. They're embarrassed by it. Yeah. For, for as many people as, as we talk to that say, I would never fall for that. You know, we're never going to click on something like that. You know, we, we know better. Um, so so because that's kind of the, the the prevalent thought when somebody does get hit by it, because it is easy to get hit by, because some of this stuff is easy to click on because it looks so good. They're embarrassed. They, they, they think it was their fault and, and they, they don't want to talk about it. So then nobody knows it's really happening because everybody sweeps under the rug. Mm hmm. So why do we think these 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 attacks are so common? Obviously, they're, they're lucrative, but what else? They don't get caught. There's no there's no consequence to, to them true. doing this. Yeah, that is true, 100%. You know, the prosecution rate on these crimes are very, very low. They're very, very difficult to prosecute. Um, and I think the other thing, too, is, is we've talked about it on the show before, ransomware as a service. Um, you know, basically outsourcing that piece of it. Like I mentioned, hackers can be on your network and then they can call up some company that just does ransomware, right? You know, I could be a bad guy, get into your network and I can call up a ransomware group on the dark web and say, hey, I got access to this mm -hmm. network. 
help me deploy ransomware on it, and I get a cut of whatever they collect. And that makes it a lot easier for more businesses to get hit because, you know, you got people working on getting access, and once they get access, they can outsource the ransomware piece to, to somebody else. So, so we'll go around the horn here, and then we'll move on. Start with Rai. Give me one thing somebody can do to protect themselves from a ransomware attack. To me, one of the most important things is just having th systems in place to monitor for uh, things that may have gotten past your protection. Uh, I think that's one of those things that people don't think about. They, they think about protection uh, on the front end, and usually that's minimal, but making sure that you have systems in place to protect, to, to identify things that get through any protection that you already have in existence. For me, um, I would say tra train your employees. You know, even a CEO can go halfway in and, and almost fall for something. So train, train, yeah. train. We're going to talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> it really boils down to the 10 or 12 things that we we always talk about. Um, and one, I'll, one, just one. One of them, <laughs> I'll talk about the unsexiest of all the things is patching. Um, okay. You need to patch your computers because if they click on a link, um, if, if one of your people clicks on a link and it tries to run something, if you're patched, you got a pretty good chance of it not working um, on your machine. So. Keep your stuff patched. Yep. I'll go with, what uh, what's that? What's your one? I'm going to go with uh, like privilege access management, right? So you know what's being installed, have a way to block it, and know what's being accessed and have a way to block it. Um, you know, big deal. Good stuff. Um, so I'm going to pull up our, uh, we have two. No, we're not going there yet. Oh, boy. TikTok. Oh, boy. So it was pretty wild over the weekend. People were all over Twitter. I popped on my Twitter for a minute, and I was like, oh, what's going on over at TikTok? Everybody's freaking out about it. Um, so, Randy, what's going on over at TikTok? Why is everybody freaking um, well, out about it? So on top of the normal shenanigans, which we can cover or not up to you, um, a um, – a hacking group, if you will, called Against the West. Um, basically, the group's not against the West. The group is against everybody that's against the West. Um, anyway, they oh, claim... Well, that, that's kind of a weird name to have. Yeah, so this we're living in the modern age of... I mean, wouldn't, I, wouldn't Against the Anti-West yeah. be a better name? Okay. Yeah, part of the world we live in. Um, so anyway... Um, they, they claim to have gotten on a server, an Alibaba server, which is basically Amazon for China. They got on a server. They claimed to pull out um, SQL databases and some other things like that. Um, and then they've leaked some of this stuff. First glance, you know, people are like, oh, it's uh, this is junk. And, you know, of course, TikTok denied it. Um, but then also... Um, during the weekend, some people have come out and said, oh, no, wait, we've dug a little deeper. There really seems to be some legit data in here. At this point, they don't know if the group against the West actually took it or if maybe they bought it from a third party, you know, on like the dark web. And then they're trying to, uh, you know, just uh, get some notoriety, um, if you will, and kind of get the name of their organization out and all that. But bottom line is it appears that some source code and some some uh, some SQL database stuff has been leaked out of leaky TikTok. So um, this is on top of other stuff that leaks just because. Don't get me started. Uh, but bottom line, this could be a big deal because this is one of the most popular, um, you know, one of the most popular apps. I know in the Android store, there's over a billion downloads. Um, you know, it's it's extremely popular uh, app. So this could and be a really uh, Big and deal. it's already notorious for grabbing a lot more data than it probably needs. So that's, you know. Yeah, just read their terms of service. Oh, gosh. Gosh. <laughs> Are they any different than Facebook or Instagram? Yes. Yeah, it's Are worse. They? It's worse. Well, maybe not worse, but they're definitely different. So they seem to be more uh, willy-nilly about it. So I don't know. That's uh, a good answer. So for the people that list that are going to continue using TikTok, right? We all have clients that are going to just continue using it. Is it safer to to view it on your on the on your browser on your computer 
and not on your phone? That's a great question. So according to their TOS, from what I understand, they can scan all of the devices around you, other devices that they can get to, that they want to, they will. Um, what I would suggest would be uh, putting it on an app that then you can then disable. Um, I would put it on my phone maybe, then you can disable it. That's a good question though, because maybe if you were in a browser, then they would have access to less stuff. I'm not quite sure uh, what the uh, what the best answer is on that one, Andre. So I'm going to hamstring your answer here before I give you the question, uh, uh, Randy. But you can't you can't answer both. It's it's an either or. When it comes to TikTok, when we're worried about privacy and data security, who should be more concerned: the consumer, the scroller, or the content producer? What's which question can I not answer? I only heard I'm just one. saying you can't say both. You can't say like the, oh. the consumers and scrollers, like because because I, I consumer. I agree because I tell people that too. Like people are like, "What are you doing on TikTok?" I have TikTok. Follow me. Um, <laughs> what are you doing on TikTok? What I do on TikTok is I go on there, I create a video, I hit post, and I I move on. Right, I move on with my life. I don't sit there and scroll on TikTok. I don't click on things. I don't like things. I think that's the data that they're that they're collecting on, and they're trying to, you know, use algorithms and matrices to figure out like what this person likes and what we can target to them. Um, I mean, I've heard from people that they say like just search for something or like a certain video on TikTok, mm -hmm. and the algorithm is amazing. It'll bring you kind of what you want to see. Um, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm thinking like for, if you're a scroller, if you're somebody who uses social media kind of voyeuristically, you're not a content producer, you're not putting, um, you know, uh, videos and stuff like that out there. You're not posting on social media like we do for our businesses. And you're just that person that goes on there and scrolls, comments, likes, shares, that's the stuff I think you, th those are the people that need to be worried because that's the data collection. <clears throat> you agree with me, Randy? Um, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have a false sense of security if I was just a content producer. No, but, no. Yeah. Right. And what you're referring to is the siloing, um, which it's got probably the strongest siloing of, of any known social media platform on the planet. And you're right. If you click one time on, you know, old cars, um, you're going to get uh, basically lambasted with uh, videos about old cars if they exist. Uh, That's right. So. Even if you don't like the video, like if you just watched it for like 10 seconds, like they, they, they gauge how much you watch the video and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's move on. We got uh, two. Uh, post-breach updates over the weekend. Um, the first one came on Friday, late Friday, as everyone was heading to their vacation spots, the shore, the beach, the mountain. Range, you go anywhere? No? You can go anywhere? Uh, no, I didn't. My uh, wife was uh, with her uh, mother, and so with my mother-in-law, and so me and the kids just hung out and did almost nothing the whole weekend. Went swimming, I think, one nice. time. Good job. Times. <laughs> so uh, Samsung released a press release um, and said that customer data was compromised in their July data breach, which we covered on this show. So, Andre, what, what, was, uh, what was in the press release? Well, same thing we always talk about, you know, um, private user data such as name, date of birth, um, product registration date, demographic information, and, and contact numbers. So they are adamant in saying that uh, the customer's credit card numbers and social security data was not, um, was not released or not compromised. And what's worrying for us is that this is the second time in 2022 that Samsung has had a data breach back in March. We talked about um, Lapsus, where they stole about 189 gigs of data, a sensitive data online. So as we just talked about a few months ago, a few minutes ago, where they come back, you know, mm -hmm. so you get hit once they come back. But Samsung is a billion dollar company. People are going to continue buying from them and continuing to give them their information. And 
it doesn't seem like they're going to uh, get too hit from this or hurt from this. Nah, TVs are about to get real cheap, so <laughs> people are going to be buying a lot of Samsung TVs. Plus, they, you know, quite frankly, the in my opinion, they're the number one producer of Android phones. I mean, you know, they're they're it's Apple and Samsung, in my opinion. You know, oh no, that's true. I think Samsung's is the biggest phone manufacturer on the planet. So yeah, right. right. So hey, I mean, um, here we go. You got your hardware being compromise hardware vendors being compromised you got your software vendor being compromised and you also got your football teams being yep. compromised. but randy did you want to say something before we talk about the 49ers press release uh, well so i was going to actually uh ask ryan and then i decided well i'll just say it because ryan we always talk about this this basically just follows the normal the mm -hmm. normal breach release uh timeline nothing That's to see fun. here my book yeah but nothing else, a little bit more. I mean, and I wonder, they say no social security, no credit cards. I wonder if a month from now we're going to find out that, oh, yeah, those were actually yeah. um, released. So, Uh-oh, Randy's got to reboot his switch. <laughs> <laughs> it was Poor a computer. Randy. It wasn't a switch. Poor, Poor Randy. Yeah. Did I, Randy. did I lock up just now? Yeah, totally. He was fine on my end. He was asking me questions. Yeah, but then he froze. Oh, he, was, he froze up on me at the very end. Huh. Maybe, Maybe you froze Brian. up on us. <laughs> Maybe Brian needs a new Best Buy switch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right in the wall right here. I'm good. All right, so we want to talk about the 49ers? I do, I do. I want to, you know, because here's another one. And, you know, like we said, if anyone didn't hear our last show, by the way, we all said, We'll hear about this past weekend's Labor Day breaches. Yeah, we're hearing about L.A. County or school district today. We'll hear about those in mm -hmm. closer to Halloween. And, yeah, it was so much more fun doing cybersecurity podcasts and YouTube channels back in the day when nobody knew how to do incident response. Right. Um, unfortunately, but at the same time, you know, while it doesn't make for as, as interesting uh, of uh, interesting for us, it's, it's good to see that, that – Places are, are, are following a, a playbook. I mean, it's not as, as sexy for news, but. No, it's not as sexy for news. And I, it's harder to get the point across that mm -hmm. this stuff is serious because it gets delayed. Yep. Um, yep. Information is not being shared. And I get that that's what we're doing now. But I think I said it a few weeks ago. Like, we don't know the collateral damage of how we're doing incident response today. We could figure out in five years that it's way better to you know talk about this stuff as soon as possible rather than bury it and yeah talk about sure. it in a press release two months later um especially it, it's just the panic syndrome though because like you know in order to do it responsibly they would have to disclose ahead of time to let people know that stuff is going on but they don't have enough time forensically to know what happened so at that point you're really just scaring everybody who may be a customer of that company mm -hmm. so i mean it's 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 one of those give and take kind of situations i i, I think you know, people are still trying to figure out what the playbook should be in a lot of cases. So, so we, we don't have that. That's idea. my point. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't know. And I'm not saying the answer is going to be, yeah, we should go to the tops of the mountains and say, Hey, we got hit by a certain ransomware group. Um, but that may be what we decide, you know, down yeah. the road. Um, I think there needs to be better post-op. So like once it's, you know, not, not just, you know, Hey, this many records was disclosed, but you know, Hey, we got hit, you know, here's how it happened. Here's, here's what we decided yeah. to do differently. You know, so, right. so you can, you can take these lessons and, and, and learn from it without having to go through what we went through. And I, I think there's definitely not enough of that. Right. Right. Indicators of compromise being released. Here's, here's, here's what they did when they were in, mm. here's how they got in like that kind of stuff. Like, yep. We don't need to sensationalize like the amount of money for the ransom. We don't even need to know that. And that's usually what we would find out, right? right. It's ransomware. They're asking for this much. Um, no, it's ransomware. And here's how they got in. And here's the group. And here's what this group typically does. Like the FBI does a good job of putting that out once they have enough information. But I think it needs to happen quicker. Yep. So the 49ers, lots of information stolen. Um, 20,000 people doesn't sound like a lot, but there's probably more than that would be my guess. 
Um, but well, I, it doesn't it doesn't get into details too as to who those twenty thousand people are. I mean, I, I imagine that we're talking about uh, not just uh, you know, people who are part of the organization, employees, things like that, but probably you know. Uh, season ticket holders, you know, things along those lines. But the original attack occurred in early February uh, of this year. And so now after conducting a thorough review uh, of the files that were impacted, they're finding individuals whose information uh, was contained in those files and they're starting to let those people know. So yeah, belonging to 20,930 impacted uh, individuals. Um, and let's see, uh, Discovered that the incident involved uh, the name and social security number of several or seven main residents, which is interesting on the complete other side of the country. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, it's just another one of those situations where you know this is now uh, what uh, seven months down the road since since the attack originally occurred, where we're, we're starting to get the actual impact of it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't remember this one specifically. I'd have to go back and look at the original story, but I, I imagine it was like we were talking about. It follows the playbook. Hey, we discovered that there was an incident, uh, and at, at this point, we don't believe anybody was impacted. And then later mm -hmm. down the road in a much smaller story, oh, by the way, sorry, almost 21,000 people <laughs> were impacted. 100%. So that's it. I mean, that's, and that's a picture we want to we want to paint here for people so they start to understand this stuff. Is depending on how prepared you are before the event will be the determining factor on whether you can release something in a week, in two weeks, in three weeks, a month, two months, four months, seven months. As you see, it took the San Francisco 49ers a lot longer than it did Samsung. Um, so just think about like you know, the things that you're doing in your business. And if you don't know what you're doing in your business, then you need to seek a professional who can help you understand where you are and where you need to go. So we're going to move on to our last topic of the day. And we're going to kind of pass this off to the hot seat topic. Andre. <laughs> um, and Andre had a little, little incident this over the weekend and we kind of talk about these things all the time on the show um but rarely does it you know affect one of us and it you know with in, in andre's situation we'll let him tell you um you know it got a little it got a little close um not that close but further than you would think um and you wh why we want to talk about this and why we want andre to tell his story and his experiences because it just goes to show you how this can happen to anyone and the hustle and bustle of life. Sometimes we let our guard down, right? Depending on the environment that we're currently in, maybe we're at a ball game and our kids, you know, at the plate, you know, and their bases are loaded and they're down by three runs and your kid can win the game, right? And something comes across your phone. Um, just think about you know, like you might not always be in the right mindset where you can look at something in hindsight and go, well, how could you fall for that? Right. So, you know, Andre, you told us the story, but why don't you take us to like what was happening right before you got that text message as well? Like what situation were you in that day? Cause I think it happened on Saturday, right? Was it, was it Saturday? No, uh, Sunday, Sunday. So it was the weekend. It was the holiday weekend. Mm -hmm. And what were you doing? Yeah, so just got out of church and um, I had two missed calls and a text message from my bank. And uh, it, the message says, are you, did you just authorize a Zelle uh, transfer of $5,000? And for me, that was very suspicious. So I contacted my uh, COO and my CPA and just, hey, are you, you know, was this you? And they both said no. So then from there, I put no on the, on the um, text message. And it said some a representative will call you in a couple of minutes. And a couple of minutes later, someone called me, and it was a, they sounded U.S. no overseas accent or anything like that. And they said, well, someone's been trying to, to um, transfer and successfully transferred five thousand, four thousand, and one thousand uh, dollar payments. And and it was going to somebody named William Mickerson. And they said, are you sure this wasn't you? And they said, I said, nope, it's, it was definitely not me. And then from there, they gave me the option of going through the process to the to dispute the claim. So they asked me to go to my bank's, uh, uh, you know, uh, phone app. And then I went to Zelle. And then what started to get me suspicious is because they now wanted me to add a recipient, which would be the comfort. Uh, they wanted me to add that. 
and then give me the confirmation code. And then I would put the amount and then the money would come back to me. So as soon as um, they told me the, the, the confirmation code and it started with 954, which is an area code here in South Florida, and then the, the rest of the phone, the rest of the digits came out to a total of 10 digits, I realized, whoa, something is wrong here. And then I immediately hung up. Um, I didn't send any money. I called the number back in my card, US holiday. No, nobody from the bank is calling. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I was like this close to losing almost 10 grand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and like Brian said, I, the, the, the point of this being is, is they know what they're doing when they, when they do these things, calling on a holiday weekend, calling, you know, around the time when a lot of people are getting out of church and you've got a lot of stuff going on. You don't think about these things, doing it in such a way that, that, isn't as obvious as people have been trained to believe these things are like, you know, we're used to the old, uh, you know, Nigerian prince scams where they, you know, it was very clear that they had broken English and, 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 you know, punctuation issues, the stuff that we see these days, like it, it's easy to, to fall for it, especially if you're in a situation where, you know, you're not in that, that normal frame of mind where you, you'd really, you know, scrutinize that stuff a lot more. I mean, if, if you got that message uh, right now, you know, it probably would be a different story than the frame of mind you were in. Uh, at that moment, and and they plan for that, and they do it on purpose. Yeah, and then what do we? And what do we? The other thing we talked about, Andre, is like I said, like a lot of times I, I've gotten those text messages before, and it usually comes from a bank that I don't do business with, right? And, and you pointed out something that I think you should point out again for our listeners, and that was something about the the PPP information. Yeah, so you can go online and actually see the dollar amount a company received and the issuing bank. And in my case, it was it, the bank that I deal with was the issuing bank. So even when I called back that 1-800 number, it was the same recording. Like the, the bank has a, the same voice. It was the same recording. And the first thing they wanted me to do was put in my account number. And I was like, nope, not doing that. Um, so it's, it's really sophisticated. And I feel sorry for... And, you know, with Zelle, too, which is very important, Zelle is considered a tra cash transaction. So if you send money, there is yeah, no gone. disputes. You mm -hmm. lost it. Yep, it's gone. Yep. Yep. It's, um, so uh, real quick, so just business owners, just just so they know, your the, the, the hackers can marry your PPP data with these scams. It's, it's that simple. They can look at your bank that you used, and if it's in Andre's case, Bank of America, then they start sending you text messages from, from Bank of America. So go ahead, Randy. Well, I was just going to say, it's really weird that, that they have, that they've published. I've thought this from the day, from day one, why are they publishing the PPP yeah. info? I mean, I don't understand that. Like they could do if they if it needs to be public, then do the company and the amount, but why in the crap are they putting the bank on there? Because right. you're right. You could use that as your master hack sheet. You know, Hey, let's take all the data we can get off the dark web and let's co co correlate it, correlate mm -hmm. it with uh, the PPP info. And then, man, you got, you got two loaded guns right there. You can start going after CEOs with, especially on a holiday weekend. Um, yikes. I think the other lesson here too, just to kind of, you know, debrief this a little bit is if you get a phone call from somebody claiming to be anybody that, you know, could have an issue like this, you know, your bank is a perfect example, you know, instead of taking that call and, and, and assuming that that's, that's who they are, you know, hang up, say, you know, I, I get it. I'm going to call, I'm going to, I'm going to hang up. I'm going to go to the website and I'm going to call the official phone number. So that way I know for sure who I'm talking about. You can't trust just because, you know, even caller ID, what it says yeah. coming in. So there will probably be a day when the hackers get into the website and change the phone number yeah. <laughs> and go undetected. So, <laughs> so I'll ask Andre this and we'll wrap up because uh, we got to end in four less than four minutes. So, um, one of the other things that kind of that you that you said that helped lower your guard was that the person who called you sounded English speaking American. Yeah. Any chance that you think that that, you know, and only the only reason I was going to ask it before, but then I was like, nah, I'm not going to ask it. But I'm going to ask it now because you said that when you called the number back, it was the same kind of prompt that if you call your actual bank, do you think there's any chance that the, the voice you heard on the line was a deep fake? Oh, wow. 
and that they have replicated an American voice to mm -hmm. carry out the scam because they know it'll be 80% more successful if they do that versus calling in their native, you know, language yeah. accent. Absolutely. Because anytime I call my bank, they make it a point to say they're U.S. They're like, this is Amy in North Carolina or something like that. So I, I would agree because obviously it's going to be cheaper to do it overseas. And, and of course, the ramifications of someone here in the U.S. getting caught is much higher. So, yeah, right. that makes much that makes sense with that. I mean, it'd, it'd be amazing to me. I mean, I know we've read about it, but I've never and we're not saying that that's what this is. But you got to think we're hearing and seeing stories about deep fakes. It was used against Twitter um, when the Twitter hack went down, when when those accounts got taken over. Um, you know, it's very well possible that these scams have now evolved into using deep fakes. So you're more comfortable with the person on the other end of the line. You know, if somebody's got a really thick foreign accent from India, Philippines, wherever in the world, and, you know, somebody's going to be like, yeah, no, you're not from Bank of America. Mm -hmm. right. Right. Um be interesting to find out, you know, one day we might. Yeah. Um, but thanks for sharing. That was a, that was a, you know, thankfully you came out of that. Okay. But you can see how close, you know, you have one of the guys from the show who talks about this stuff all the time. Um, even though I don't think they got across the 50 yard line on you, you, you know, they, 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 they didn't, you didn't back them up into the end zone either. So um, and I know we only have one minute left, but the question yeah. now I'm asking myself is let's just say I did get swindled with my 10 grand. Mm -hmm. I think I would have been too embarrassed to tell it to anybody. Mm -hmm. Remember yeah. how we're going back to what Ryan was saying. Are you sure? Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. We got to destigmatize that. Agreed. Destigmatize sharing that you were hacked. <laughs> Like that's, I mean, you general, not you personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That people in general. <laughs> yeah, wild. So, all right, guys, appreciate your uh, your efforts today and your insights. Please remember, everyone, share our show. It helps not only us get you know more visibility, but it gets the word out and it gets people educated. Um, and the more you share our stuff, the more, you know, all these algorithms that all these companies have around technology and, and content, you know, other people who you aren't related to, at least that, you know, we might get shown as a suggestion for them. That's how all this stuff works. So if you can like us, subscribe to us, give us a review. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you in the next broadcast. Take care. Everyone. See ya.